and welcome to another episode of Burning Bridges with Bridgeburner and I'm your host Bridgeburner and today we are talking to an absolute legend of Doom and level design. We've got one Dario Caselli with us. How's it going? Hi, uh, very good to be here. Thank you so much for reaching out. Um, it's good to talk to a uh, fellow Kiwi. Yeah, Especially yeah. Especially about Doom, one of my favorite <laughs> subjects. Perfect pairing. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was one of those things where... You know, you, you you kind of sprouted back up out of nowhere posting these videos. Uh, you're playing Plutonia 2 first, I think. Um, <laughs> um, yep. And uh, I, they started appearing. It's like, holy shit, it's Derek Caselli. I'm not sure I should have a chat to him. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just this weird thing that happened one day. I, I came across a Doomworld post that had um, somebody had found some old uh, maps that I'd built back in the CDROM.com days, which would have been like mid nineties, probably. Yeah. Uh, I found, I found this post and I started reading, Oh my God, I remember all these maps that I made and it's been so long. I just thought I have to, uh, I couldn't find any videos of somebody playing through them. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to download this and play it myself. Um, and before you know it, I'm just getting sucked right back into the world of doom again. Cause it's just so, it's so fun. It's so easy to find the fun in this game. Um, and it's just amazing how much work and talent has gone into this game and this community over the years. Well, it's, it's, um, um, so. it's got to be... I, I certainly haven't heard of any um, like FPS game with a bigger and you know longer-lasting modding community. And um, you know it's definitely what's kept... Um, you know, Classic Doom alive for sure, and I think it's it's been a big part of the resurgence of you know the new Dooms as well. So um, it's you know it's gone through its ups and downs, but it's been a, a, a very strong and stable um, you know kind of uh, content creation base for a very long time. Um, and it's funny that you got into Plutonia two before replaying your own <laughs> your own content. I thought that was quite um, interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when. Uh, so I think what happened was. Um, I found, so I found um, Doom World and I posted something about, I think it was about my Punisher playthrough. I think I played that Punish 2 map that I hadn't played in so long, 28 years or something. I put that on YouTube and then people said, hey, you should check out Plutonia 2. And that was when I started finding out more and more about the content that had been built over the years. Mm. So, of course, I was naturally very curious about Plutonia 2. Yes, very um, <laughs> I, remember, yeah, I, actually, so, I actually quite, I actually remember playing that for the first time many moons ago, um, as well. And um, it's it's a pretty iconic map set. I think it does justice to the original, while kind of up in the ante, you know, in terms of uh, the intensity. Yeah, and it was a while back now, um, so I'm not remi- remembering exactly my re- response to all of the maps, but I know that I definitely went uh, up and down. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had my favorites and uh, had my moments of um, getting stuck and frustration and stuff. But, you know, that's kind of, it's it's personal to me in a way because um, coming back to Doom after 25 years of making you know, professional video games mm. and going through the, the playtesting process for so so long just kind of getting getting used to the standards that we adhere to you know with AAA products and then you know it's like basically hand holding the player through making sure they can get through without any real problems um we don't want any getting stuck or showstoppers or anything like that um it's it's interesting going back into plutonia 2 was pretty much my first foray back into like the amateur modern community again so i think i brought with me some of those standards uh, (laughs) that i had 
uh, been used to for so many years. So I probably sound quite grumpy in some of those maps. Like, why would you do this? You know, like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Why would you put this door here? Like, yeah, exactly. How, how am I supposed to <laughs> know that this texture was the way forward? <laughs> well, it's funny because like uh, I've been making a lot of a lot of people uh, with this rise of like the retro the retro shooter. Boomer shooter, whatever you want to choose to call them, you know, with getting these passion project models and mappers, making the the other the reverse transition, going from making content for a game that has really well established tropes. So things like in Doom, like there's identifiable switch textures, you know, things like there's texture packs that get used right. a lot. And it's like someone who knows the texture pack will know that that's a switch. Someone who's coming in without like yourself who hasn't played a lot of this custom content, like these all look like decorations. Which one's the switch? Which one's the door? So it's interesting <laughs> yeah. going from you know something with your really established concepts and, and visual tropes and that kind of stuff to pushing out products into a wider market of people that haven't that don't have that background. And it's not just about difficulty and and you know you expect people to play a certain way. It's a lot of that telegraphing, you know, progression and, and right. mechanics and all that. You know, you got to teach people these things for the first time. Um, was for that sure? Yeah. Was that quite a big step for you going from? Yeah, working on something like Plutonia to to Half Life. Um, it was it was it was very exciting because um, with Plutonia, even though I was working with my brother, it was still I was still fairly isolated. You know, it was basically the two of us and uh, internet bulletin boards and stuff that we we weren't really part of a larger team. So I think coming to uh, Seattle and working with Valve, it was this really really exciting thing of wow, there are actually other people in the room. You know, we had a team of fourteen people to begin with, mm. um, and we're all. Uh, we have this common um, passion and we're all going to make great games together. So that was, it was like the beginning of a really exciting journey coming to actually sit in an office with, you know, 10 plus people who all had the same idea and the same um, vision and the same drive. Uh, so that, that was really, really great. It was a really great feeling to uh, join, you know, like a bigger team rather than just, you know, in my bedroom yeah. <laughs> connecting uh, to my brother's computer with a US, well, it wasn't USB, what was it, serial cable it would have been yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yeah, so totally different experience really. Um, so thankfully it wasn't, you know, I mean, back in those days, I mean, before Half-Life came out, um, it, there was really Quake. Um, mm. And I think maybe Duke Nukem. Yeah, Duke 3D um, would have yeah, been out. Yeah. yeah. So th- th- it's not like there was this big established set of games that we, that, you know, when you start a, a AAA game, you think, oh, this has to be like this, or, you know, it has mm. to be as good as this. Um, it was pretty, uh, like, pioneering. So we really didn't really have, um, I guess, a very clear concept of what the product was, would be like. So it was, it was, a, it was discovery rather than mm. getting probably- kind of... Yeah, I'd probably call Half-Life. I know, for the record, I don't like Half-Life. <laughs> I am not a fan of it. Um, but I can recognize, and I've read a few articles about, like, it, it was it was almost like the first AAA FPS game. You know, Doom, Quake was made, you know, shoestring budgets, kind of that, still that small, you know, people in their bedroom almost uh, kind of vibe to, to the to the. Process. Yeah, I can see that. You know, and Doom, like, Doom 2 was made in, I don't know, like eight months or something ridiculous. Um, and, um, you know, because I, I chatted to Ramiro about that kind of, like, it was a very intense process. It was very just like, let's just make these things, let's get them done, go, 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 go. Um, whereas something like Half-Life has always always felt more crafted. And like, you know, you said you walked mm-hmm. into a team of, what, 14 people. That's a that's a big dev team to start with <laughs> uh, back, in the, yeah. back in the late 90s. And it was, I think it was about 18 months uh, was the dev cycle for Half-Life 1. That's pretty fast. Um, uh, compared to these days, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 compared to something like <clears throat> Cyberpunk. Um, and, sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, yeah, so, like, um, with Half Life, you know, it wasn't just a, a transition into, 
having to teach people these new kind of mechanics and whatnot, there's a change in scope. And like Half-Life is a very real world based game. Like a lot, like most games tend to be. And, you know, you go from something like not just Doom Maker, but Plutonia, and especially always felt very abstract. You know, was how did that impact kind of your workflow? The way you thought about level design, you know, I'm trying to build something that feels like a useful space almost as a priority, like this is a re- reactor and this is a research lab and I need to put scientists in here. Um, were there any challenges? Oh, it was definitely a challenge. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I didn't like the idea to begin with. Um, when we When we first started talking about um, what the settings would be for Half-Life. Um, one of the settings was the office levels um, and the inside of the uh, the labs. And I thought, okay, I don't want anything to do with Offices that. Offices are not fun places to fight in the, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they just seemed really boring to build to me. So I, I was attracted to um, other parts of the project that had a little bit more... Um, uh, sort of a little bit more creative mm. license with the environments and stuff. Um, is, it, is, well, is Zen your enough, fault? Is, is Zen your fault? Is that your doing? Uh, no, I did not build Zen. <laughs> um, Zen was, strangely enough, that that came together really late in the project, um, but I was busy with other sections. Um, I, I started, my very first Half-Life map was uh, Power Up, I think it's called, where you have to fight the Gargantua and electrocute him for the first time. Yes. But um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a challenge to do that, to go from very, um, sort of hellscape or just kind of like, a, just whatever your imagination mm. has in it really, because doom is like that. You can really build whatever, whatever it is you'd imagine. You have to worry about constraints of story or, mm. you know, I think that's one of the reasons that Plutonia has stood up so well, arguably the best, or certainly for me of any of the the iWads or even any of the kind of classic megawads from from back in those days because okay. it leans heavily into we're going to make like combat spaces first and and focus on like just kind of a, a broad visual theme rather than this is a place with a truck which TNT conversely went the other way and it, I think it's aged less well because of it it's it tried too hard to make spaces feel like you know this is a refinery um, oh right yes yeah, so, see I never so in when I was doing Doom levels. And talking to people on the internet, um, th- th- there was always this drive to identify a level as a place. Mm. Like, but I always thought that we didn't have anything close to the right fidelity in this engine to do that. And I always thought, if you can't really pull it off really convincingly, really well, don't even try it. Like, yeah, yeah, th- there's something that this engine is really good at. Just do that. Like, mm. play to the strengths of of the engine and the color palette and yep. the materials and the monsters that we already have. Don't make it seem, you know, don't put a square peg in a round hole. Don't try and so I never even tried to do that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because, yeah, like who wants to look at a box truck and just sort of, you know, it just doesn't, I never thought that it added uh, enough to to sort of detract from, uh, sort of make up from from what um, you sort of, you look at it and you go, mm. well, I guess this could be a library, but it doesn't really look like a library, but okay. It's got books. It's got books. Um, like, and that's the thing with like, you book can, texture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't like, you know, um, you can make a map and you're just like, I'm going to give it a, make it sort of library thing. You start plastering book textures around it because it's full of demons and it's hell. It's like, who cares if the bookcase right. is 40, 40 feet tall and can't be used by people. It's not for people. Yeah. Um, and and there was one, one other thing that I really didn't like about the real world doom stuff was that, I thought part of what Doom made Doom really fun was the pace 
the pace of the game where you're running running around and you're shooting rockets that are moving slowly at distant targets and you're avoiding uh, incoming fireballs and stuff. And part of the fun for me was just that movement. It was mm. the really fast movement. It was the the space to move, like so big open areas where you can really um, judge all of your enemies and pick you know which ones you need to deal with first. And um, I didn't like the idea of being in sort of small earthly scaled spaces. That's not fun. <laughs> I, don't think it really yeah, I don't think it really suited the, the, the Doom game, the, uh, the pace that was really, you know, that made Doom fun. Um, for me, I also think, yeah, from, not just from a play, because I've always preferred to play, even before I got into mapping and stuff like that, you know, those, those abstract maps were the ones that always drew my eye. But I think also from a creative perspective, like if you kind of like unconstrain yourself and like, I'm just going to make this cool looking structure and call it hell and it's going to be weird and wild. Um, yeah. it's, it's a lot more fun as a maker, you know, someone actually, uh, you know, um, drawing, drawing the lines, um, for me. Um, for sure. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Cause, um, you know, uh, there is, I'd say there's probably well, one off the top of my head in Plutonia. There's, you know, a quote unquote city map with, um, it's Odyssey of Noises map 29. It is. And, yes. But it's a very abstract hell city. So it's, it's still one of the <laughs> best city doom maps I've ever played. Cause it, it's like, yeah, you know, we're going to box it out and have you know things that look like roads but then we're going to break it up and put fire through it and you know sub it even down the guts over there and and give it that kind of oppressive hell feeling uh, and it works really well uh, yeah that was that was milo's map and i was always really in, inspired by that one i think that he did exactly the right blend of yes yep. it's kind of city streetsy but he didn't try to add too much detail or try to get too micro with the the size of the spaces inside it was yes. more about the move movement around the city and the in the yep. streets and stuff yeah it's a great um, yeah, i think he did a really good job um, i was going to point out the irony of an earlier comment that i made about not trying to reproduce uh, or uh, real spaces and then of course one of my maps for evolution was pharaoh which yeah. is supposed to be like <laughs> egypt pyramids and stuff um yeah but pyramids was, are pretty abstract as well like there's you, know, like, you can get real creative inside it's like little they're big scale at least yeah, yeah you can you can do what you want inside um uh, inside of them because there's a classic um Another uh, pyramid map uh, from Mailing Vendetta called Misery Halleck, uh, which is pretty <clears> much hero <throat> on steroids. And it's just, yes, yeah, it's like, we'll build a pyramid. So if you feel like you're in an Egyptian and then inside of it, it's whatever it wants to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can create that impression on the player that it's leaning, you're know, alluding to a real world space without pushing it too hard. Um, right. Because I watched, um, I, was, I was doing a bit of, bit of uh, watching your, your, your uh, playthroughs this morning over breakfast and uh, I had to watch Go To It. Um, because I didn't actually watched that video yet, and uh, I know it was Mario. Yeah. Ah, sorry, Mario Milo's Milo. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Um, uh, where did that concept because that was a real groundbreaker for in terms of, I mean, Plutonia as a whole was, but like, let's see how hard we can make Doom. And I have very visceral memories of the first uh, time yeah. I played that and going, This is unbeatable. Like, my you know, childhood brain was like, Nobody is good enough at Doom to beat this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember, uh, my. How, where that came from, I, my best guess is um, early on when we started making Doom maps, we, we didn't really know how to make the how to use the Doom editor. So we would take an id map and then just sort of expand it. And I think Milo was going back to maybe uh, the, that sort of concept, where I said, hey, you know what we used to do? We used to have a lot of fun just by modifying this, mm. uh, this id map. So he took it in a direction of... Yeah, but in this case, the id map like that you start meme. with and you see, <laughs> uh, yep, there's some meanness in there. But um, the idea that you would see that this this Doom two, yeah, it's Doom two map one, mm. but 
little did you know when you began, this was actually only the tiny little center of a massive map around you, and it kept on opening and getting more and more ridiculous as you would go through. Um, but by that point, I think we had built most of the maps in Plutonia, and the ones we were most interested in playing are the ones that we couldn't just breeze through uh, without thinking. And I guess he just turned that up a couple of notches, well, a lot of notches. <laughs> because Plutonium really um, did set the bar for, and still does, like watching people kind of go through their first playthroughs of the classic Iwads and they get to Plutonium and they're like, holy fuck, like this is... It's still this, quite difficult. This is me. This is, this is, they're getting my ass kicked by all these chain gunners and revenants. And it sounds like, you know, you guys just liked that kind of play experience and i'm a big believer in and make what make what you love to play um certainly from my um absolutely that was definitely what we were going for and i think there was probably a little bit of um because we were both building maps that the other one would play test there was definitely a little bit of oh yeah well you thought you could do this in the last map <clears throat> i'm gonna just spawn a chain gunner behind you at the beginning of oh, the map and see thing. how you do with that <laughs> Uh, pretty ridiculous. So there was probably a little bit of the uh, like competitive streak between us. Uh, like see, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played through Plutonia recently for the first time in a really long time, and I'll I'll have to say, you know, I, I gave myself the same shit that I gave my gave Plutonia too when I was running through it. You know, just saying, why would I have done that? You know, that's that wouldn't that really wouldn't fly these days with uh, if you ever really care about the players who, uh, who are going through your maps. But <laughs> you know, there's uh, definitely uh, I think most mappers have a have a sadistic streak it's like i'm gonna hurt people just a little bit <laughs> yeah a little bit and you know what that's born out of uh a, a, an avoidance of um boredom i think yeah. i don't i don't want anybody to be bored or feel like they're going through a map that i built that they feel like oh you know i've played this before and it was you know it's just like a retelling of the same story again i really want it to feel fresh and mm. challenging and maybe sometimes surprising maybe sometimes infuriating um, yeah for sure and i think um um you know uh, if you look at the, the content being made in general, there has been that general curve. Um, people aren't just... I mean, there's still a market, or quote-unquote market, you know, a, a, a player base for slightly more meandering incidental combat, you know, that mm -hmm. more relaxing experience. You know, there's definitely people who enjoy that and, you know, uh, all power to them you, um, for, for liking that. And there's plenty of people that make very high-quality, I call them, you know, classic Doom-style maps where it's a, a, a bit of a jaunt and, you know, you can relax with it after a hard day at work. Um, but then, then there's been a, a, a reasonable sized section of the community that is like pushing that boundary. Like, let's see what we can what we can get away with, and actually make it hard <clears> and make it fun, and have people play it. And um, you know, yeah, I've been found, finding some of those. Some of us, yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one, uh, what was the other? Uh, so yeah, yeah, played Valiant. That was absolutely amazing. Mm. I loved it. I'll talk about it more. Would love to. Uh, but there was there was Sunlust, and then there was another one. Um, had absolutely enormous maps, like absolutely giant. Sunder? Like, yes, I was, Sunder. Gonna, I was going to ask right. you if you'd played that. because um, I have, yeah. Insane as um, But you know what? <laughs> Super then... <laughs> embarrassing. Um, I tried to do a single map on Sunder with the Ultra Violence, and I completely failed. It is. So I played ones. It, it's, a, it's a baptism of fire. It is up there with the hardest stuff that the community's made. <laughs> it's... I mean, it's awesome to see, you know, where how far this has come, and I'm just imagining the doom editing tools that can allow you to do that. I'm just thinking, wow, this is really, he's, really impressive. He's a wizard. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't get through it on ultraviolence. I had to switch down to uh, I don't know what it was. 
Well, there's actually no difficulty settings in Sunder, so you're kind of stuck with UV or UV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's just a damage reduction then. No, I, yeah, uh, and I'm too young today, yeah, so you're playing with the same monster. And I know people, like, I know people yeah. have done that with Sunder. It's actually a good way to experience it because it reduces that grind a bit and you don't get punished right. so heavily for mistakes because it, it is a punishing map set. It is. Um, and even, yeah, you know, sure. particularly the later maps, they take you know, four to six hours to beat. It's a, <laughs> right. It becomes an endurance exercise. <laughs> Um, absolutely yeah i i, I watched uh, i think decino did a like a live stream of mm. sunder in three parts and i looked at the length of the stream and i thought wow you have a lot of patience <laughs> uh, they're like six to eight hours each or something yeah, no, they're, um, they're yeah. Enormous that's a full too. day <laughs> very much so it's yeah. like you got to do it over several so it's like it, i don't think i've ever got through any of those big sunder maps in one go it's just they're, they're, they're pretty exhausting um but yeah, so um, going going back to Valiant, um, this is one of the things that I, I said I, I was quite curious to to, to, to pick apart, and uh, the the map for Mincubian Candidate. Um, I am my absolute favourite. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure most people uh, um, listening, or certainly people, were quite familiar with Skillsaw's work and, and the the masterpiece that is that is Valiant. Um, but he is known for trying out some interesting concepts and in, um, and and mechanics. Probably not quite to the same level as Rubix, um, who's the creator of one of the creators of Sunlust. Um, who really pushes the, the boundaries of the engine, uh, particularly with his later works. But Mancubian Candidate has an interesting premise, and it's it's one of the things that, you know, as a, a non-native Doom player, trying you were talking about that earlier, trying to telegraph a mechanic. So why don't, why don't, you, mm-hmm. why don't you run us through, through your experience Uh, (laughs) well first i have to say that valiant was extraordinary i thought i just couldn't believe how good this map set that is it was consistently delivered just innovation after innovation and the fact that it was one guy who did it is just it's just astounding to me so i give the guy all the credit in the world Mm. um this mancubian candidate though uh, i saw the sign at the beginning which says basically no dead um mancubi i didn't really know what that it's just a, yeah, it, it's like pretty much just like a circle. It's, it's crossed out, something. basically. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be a no entry sign, like no man, no uh, man could buy allowed. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. So I guess I looked at it for a second. I thought, huh, I'm not really sure what that means. It's like, hmm, that's an um, interesting and of course, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't didn't put that together with not killing the Mancubus in the scene, which was I think it was the following scene when you teleport into it. Um, yeah, it's in the so middle of that um, rock pillar, isn't it? I have to say, you know, as a professional game designer, I kind of came at that. I kind of attacked the design of this map from a perspective of somebody who has, you know, been in, been building games for a really long time. And, you know, it's not necessarily the fairest thing to do since this was done by one guy and it's Doom. You know, the tools are fairly simple and the idea is good. It's just not telegraphed too well. Mm. Um, so it, it was a personal response of mine. Um, and I was a little embarrassed about not seeing it before, but I don't well, hold that against them at all. I had exactly um, but I can talk about the mechanics uh, from a perspective of you know a, a gameplay mm, tester, and I, I would say things like, "I have plenty of feedback that I would give this kind of mechanic." Firstly, it's an awesome mechanic; it's such an ingenious and clever mechanic that you know again is is unique to this map um, and is never repeated oh, in the entire uh, map pack. So. It's awesome. I went down, I, re- I replayed it again, and I can totally see why this is a really great mechanic. Mm. Um, the problem is how it's conveyed, or how it was conveyed to me. I completely missed it because I, I think I've written, I think I wrote a comment uh, in my playthrough that kind of went down and say, hey, if you had done this, this, and this, I probably would have had an easier time with this mechanic. Um, so I can just very quickly say that, you know, if there were those signs in the area that you see the Mancubus again, like mm. just right by really him, and he's like on a throne or something. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then when I killed him, I happened to be in the pit at the very bottom, so I didn't even see all of the uh, Archviles teleport in, so I could never connect the arrival of the Archviles with the death of the Mancubus. So I think there would have been some um, some ways for that mechanic to be conveyed a little bit clearer. Yeah, I think because um, uh, um, one of those important things for for, for telegraphing to, to players is linking the player action to, to, an, to an event. Something yeah, happens, you exactly. want the player to know what they've done to cause it. And obviously, there's the, you can break you know, right. these rules can be flexible and depending on, you know, if you're going for a full puzzly kind of kind of setup, cool. But generally, yeah, you want to say, okay, this thing dies, these guys appear, because I had exactly the same experience when I played it. Um, oh, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel better now. Thank yep. you for saying that. Um, <laughs> I didn't... I did actually try and bully through the map as well. I think I got quite far, like trying to take out the arch files and, and what I was like, oh, I've got to kill these arch files, you know. Okay, this is this is a, this is a difficult map. <laughs> but let me guess, you didn't put a, uh, a video of you no. embarrassing yourself <laughs> on the internet like I did. No, I, was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was very much. Uh, this was even yeah, this was well before I started idea. streaming and stuff. Yeah, it's like I could be an idiot by myself. Um, no, but I think yeah. I think you you know because um, I think King Diamond ended up having a couple of a little bit of a conversation with you around it. Um, who's a a very well-known uh, Doom speedrunner, um, and he's one of like that conversation was what tuned me into the, this event, um, uh, this this experience. And I think he raised you know, raised like the technical kind of uh, you know constructive criticism was very much on point and and lined up with my experiences. Um, okay, thank you. Yeah, so I hundred percent agree with with the, with the points, um, but it's quite it's because the, the the format that's used, and I was trying to think. You know, like yourself, what else could you do to, to make it more obvious? And there's a limitation within Boom Engine. You know, it's one of the more traditional Doom formats. Um, you know, being able to telegraph, you can't put a HUD message up. Like if it was a, a more advanced port, like a right. GC Doom, where you could just say, don't kill the fucking Mancubus, you know? <laughs> Bad shit will <laughs> exactly. happen to him. Or you could do, or you could have it like after the first time you kill it, a message pops up, you let the Mancubus die. Um, you know, you can do things to to reinforce that concept to the player. But I, I think Doom has, I think Doom has some ways to signal to the player that something has happened based on the player's action. Mm. Um, like the, the very simplest thing I can think of is uh, the moment you kill the Mancubus, that entire area sinks into the lava or something. Yeah. And yeah. then, oh, well, there's no way forward here. It's not like you can just battle your way out of the lava. You just die. Actually, right? that's a good point so, because when the And it happens instantly. In, you can ostensibly continue through the map. It's going to be hard, yeah. but you can actually progress all the way to the exit. Right. Um, yeah, having it so it becomes a point of no return. Okay, if this happened, I can't progress. I die. Archvile still appear because it looks cool, but you like you say, the, the, everything collapses. Well, I was thinking you could have the texture change, like from a live Mancubus, and you have a wall of the dead <laughs> yeah, Mancubus, exactly. and all these signs around. It's like, oh, I killed the Mancubus. Um, right. Yeah. I think if you give a player a way forward, um, they're going to try to take it if they if they miss the mechanic, but there is a way forward. But it's just really hard. They're just going to keep beating their head against the wall because they think that's what they have to do. Like I was just thinking, boy, this just hit a difficulty <laughs> yeah, cliff, yeah. you know. It's got hard. Um, and so I just have to get over it. And yeah. I tried enough times. I think it was I don't know, like ten plus times to get out of there. And eventually, I just said, you know, what? I can't get over this difficulty <laughs> cliff. Um, so I'm going to cheat my way around it and swear a lot. So. Yeah, I, th I think I think there's a way around it, but I like I said at the beginning, like I really respect mm. the idea and and uh, the fact that it was really novel. Um, I just totally missed it myself. <laughs> yeah, that's no, it is a it is a very cool concept, and yeah, you know, once you get that 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 premise, it's a it's very well set up the way the Mancubus raises up with you as you progress. You know, creating yeah, new it's it's genius. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, like having to protect um, it from crossfire. Like it's not just not you shooting it; it's 
the main threats. The right, exactly. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's brilliant. Like like almost all of Valiant, it's just there's just a succession of really brilliant ideas in there. Um, he should be. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised he doesn't have a uh, flourishing career in games. Yeah, it's um, interesting that there's a lot of. Um, yeah, I, I I rate the Doom the Doom creation community as some of the you know kind of like some of the best you know creative people in terms of level design and concepts and working this engine into weird and wild places. Um, and I have seen some people kind of stepping out trying to make that leap. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and it, it is uh, happening, which is which is really good to see. And that's you know I'm one of these people trying to do that. Um, and um, it's people like there's a, a very prominent mapper or, or who was um, called Dragonfly who made it of eternity um you know he's now working on proteus and then you've got people like um uh, there's a mapper called mechadon he's, he's making supplies uh with a few other people um you know, people taking that step okay i was making a doom mod maybe this can actually be a standalone game um because hmm. uh, the gz doom engine is, is actually licensed for that um so it's like you get oh, to the right. point where it's a bit of a ship of thesis like you start replacing assets i'm gonna make my own monsters and start making my own weapons and all of a sudden you got no doom left that slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think quite going to be quite exciting couple of years on that front. I think. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So you um, it's it's something that stood out to you uh, from a, like a from a level design perspective because you've gone back and played Plutonium one and two, which you know uh, very much uh, older older products, and they're getting to Valiant and Sunlust. Obviously, things have gotten harder. Things are more polished visually, but has there been a like a, a notable kind of like level design change in, in the maps, or do they do the, the yes, um, definitely, yeah. Um, I think that actually, when was Valiant done? Was that twenty fourteen or something? Was it even oh, 22, 20, 2003? No. It, it seems it seems very much as though the uh, Doom level editing tools are much more sophisticated now. It does help. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because I, I can remember just building circles um, back in the '90s with D. How was it? DEU. I was using. Yes, yeah, that's one DETH. Uh, it was really difficult to build those kind of complex shapes and um, you know keep them um, correct. And you know, uh, I think these days the tools just allow you to build so much more, so much easier. Yeah, I'd be actually really interested um, to see what if you get, you know, do get into find some spare time to map a bit and grabbing, you know, the the, <clears> the, the latest iteration of Ultimate Doom Builder and yeah, like you could just make a circle by the clicker, clicker two buttons, like cool, there's an ellipse. Um, well, I was I've, I've watched a couple of your videos and I was uh, thinking, oh, like these tools just make building Doom maps so much simpler than well, it gives you so much more freedom to design more um, impressive, like bigger spaces, more. Um, yeah, because there's that, but there's also, and it's just also been, because I, I started dabbling 17 years ago, something like that, and uh, there was an wow. editor called Deep Sea um, that was kind of like the the, the, the the bridge between the modern editors that we've got today and those kind of old ones that you would have used. Um, and it, it, it did some things quite well, but it's pretty buggy. It would crash often. And one of the things that I've felt the most with using these modern tools is, is just the, the workflow improvement in terms of efficiency. It's like I'm not having to, you know, with those old editors, you had to place individual vertices and then draw the lines between them. And then make the <laughs> it's like, I don't have to do uh, that yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was how we did all of the maps. That, that's why we were so beholden to the grid the whole time mm -hmm. because um, it was just, yeah, it was dot to dot basically. Yeah, yeah. 
join the dots. <laughs> uh, um, huge shout um, out to the uh, the team working on Doom Builder and keeping it up to date and improving all these. For features. sure, yeah. I mean, awesome. you can just create much more ambitious designs. I mean, that's what I've been seeing when I've been playing through these things. They've been incredibly ambitious and just giant open spaces, giant architecture. You know, you don't even have to do the. I mean, I guess some of the maps that I've been playing would have been divided amongst like ten maps in the old days um, mm. because you just couldn't you couldn't manipulate such a big uh, map oh and also then. like um port improvements you know the classic engine can only handle so many lines right. on screen at once and you know this planes and all that kind of fun stuff mm-hmm. um so removing those limitations like i can just literally have more stuff on screen and, and yeah that's great crash <laughs> although do so tell me do you play with uh GL uh, like OpenGL, or are you just doing software render? No, I'm usually? a GZ. I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a heathen. I play with GZ Doom with a hardware renderer. Um, okay, prefer- so it probably runs quicker then. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Like the, the I'm assuming because you've been you would have been using PR Doom probably for um yes yeah. So yep. that's actually it's and actually a really software. a really efficient port. Um, it, it can handle some pretty complex geometry, and it's really good at um like big big monster counts. Um, yeah, with a lot of site checks and all that kind of stuff, and, and there's some maps that will only run in PR Boom and they won't run in GZ Doom. A friend of mine's got oh, okay. a, a map with seventy seven zero thousand monsters because um, <laughs> he's insane. Oh no! Um, yeah, oh no is Sound- the right the right reaction. <laughs> Sunder, uh, so I, I definitely played some Sunder maps that were running pretty slow. You know, they're probably down to twelve fifteen frames on my computer, and I have a fast computer here, but it couldn't handle some of those Sunder maps. Yeah, at least not gracefully. Um, I uh, know because eBay actually uses GC Doom as the main test port for Sunder, so it might be worth trying, um, mm. trying that in there. Because yeah, it's hard enough as it is without frame drops. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they weren't developing uh, or playing their own maps on the way I was playing it. There has to be a different. <laughs> there has to be a better way. Because um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so you know, you're not just not just a Doom a Doom content creator, um, a Doom mapper, and not just Half Life. Uh, I talked about. Um, uh, earlier um, that you uh, were part of the Left 4 Dead team um, and from a because I've just started getting into that probably about six months ago and a, a, it's a fantastic game it's a great way to unwind with friends and bully them uh, as the infected nice oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, versus mode is awesome oh it's fantastic but from a, like it's quite interesting because um, the way it's set up like conceptually the, the levels are quite basic aren't they um, in terms um, of kind of like linear progression, you know, almost straight line. And there's some areas we have right. like multi-purpose objectives where you've got to harvest all the gas cans. But like from a, yes. a level design perspective, there's a lot of like corridors because you need, you know, things to jump out at you. And, you know, also zombies are scarier in, in confined spaces. Um, uh, yeah, was it was was there another kind of like paradigm shift in your thinking after making something like Half-Life and Half-Life 2, which is massive, expansive worlds? Uh, and you're coming oh, down definitely, the, yeah, the, the yeah. The, the, the biggest difference, uh, the biggest difference for me was um, you basically. So with Half Life, it's very scripted, moment to moment. Every single moment the player is moving through the space, it's very, very heavily scripted. Mm. Um, and then you go to uh, Left 4 Dead, which is as this director, and the director controls everything, and he sends the uh, mm. zombies at you when he wants. You know, the, the 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 designer doesn't place any of that. The designer just builds basically a playground. Um, that this director is going to uh, generate the gameplay in. So it was a very, it was a big, big shift as far as that goes. Um, and I'm trying try to understand what kind of geometry does make this gameplay work well. Mm. Um, like, what are the constraints? What are the things that just destroy the game design? 
Um, and then finding stuff like that out, as soon as you figure those things, you say, okay, well, my constraints are, um, you know, you can't really have giant open spaces because um, it's really unfun playing a tank and yes. you're sort of walking very slowly <laughs> toward four people who shoot you before you can get 100 yards, you know. So uh, the same thing goes with this, the, the smoker who has a limited um, mm attack distance and the boomer who never really gets close enough to so you, yeah there, there are a lot of rules that went into designing those maps um and those are all layered on top of like the primary the golden rule which is uh, they were all developed for co-op to begin with right because i was going to um, ask you did you did you start with a single player design and then build from there but you're saying yeah, yeah so they were all first. So my, uh, I had a design role in Left 4 Dead 2. I only had a technical role in Left 4 Dead 1, so I can talk about the Left 4 Dead 2 design process. But really, what we, we, all, we all understood um, what versus mode was like and what co-op mode was like when we were even beginning to, to put these maps together. So uh, they were designed with both in mind, but they, they all had to conform to this idea that there is this linear path that had to, like the golden rule of uh, Left 4 Dead co-op is that the players have to stay together. Mm. Um, so all of the design of the game is engineered toward that goal. Mm. Um, you don't want one guy running off. You don't want them all spreading up. Oh, they don't man. know where each other are. They die quite fast. You know, that's where everything <laughs> fails. <laughs> so that by that by you know by that goal, the the maps have to be fairly tight, fairly constrained, very corridory because it's like an A to B uh, journey. And you can't make it too broad. Otherwise, you have the, the team splitting up and then it just doesn't work too well. Um, but also, you know, that, that also works with the design of the infected because you know, for reasons we've just talked about, you know, you can't cross big, giant open spaces uh, with slow-moving zombies and expect that to be fun. Yeah, in particular, when, yeah, when you, you know, you're saying it's, it's all driven by the game director, which when I first read about that, I thought it was an actual person was like, I'm going to put it you know, live in the game. Like, you, know, like yeah. you can actually take over the role, but it, that's just the name for the AI. And I think it's incredible design feats to have you know, a, a live you know, dynamic system like that and places everything bug-free. Like, they all behave in a way that you, you know, is good for mm-hmm. gameplay and it's very responsive. Uh, it's a, it's a it's really impressive feat to be honest. You do you do have to design the maps uh, to accommodate that though. Like you you know that the dis- the director needs places to spawn hordes around corners. So you have to make sure that there are uh, visual breaks everywhere. Yes. Um, and you, you you kind of you get used to the rules that the director has for spawning stuff and like the frequency that it spawns things and stuff like that. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's just kind of getting to know the the, the rules of the director and um, playing to them, playing to the strengths, and understanding what makes a really fun versus game. For example, we all know that the best part of a versus game is when you pull off a perfect ambush. Oh, it's when like you charge someone off a cliff. Things. That is the. <laughs> It's <laughs> exactly that is exactly why. So I built the um, uh, the roller coaster. Oh, in, I love that map. Uh, Dark, Dark Carnival. That's one of my favorites. So that was great. built entirely for charges because they have these nice <laughs> corridors where you can just charge down this thing and bust. Pretty much push everybody off oh, the roller coaster. Like a bowling ball. Um, awesome. Cliff edges. Yeah, you you basically playing to the strengths of all of those characters mm. and understanding. Hey, the, the funnest part we've ever had in playtests is when the survivors think that everything's going well, but yep, you know, and it goes bad <laughs> instantly, right? It's like, what the hell just happened? Oh, there? I've had it so many yeah. times where you're like, you it's think so you're, you're, you're all got good health and you're all feeling you know, well kitted out. You walk around a corner, it just all turns to shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you think yeah, you're out same. of it, and then someone gets smoked, and then there's a spitter. And it just, yeah. oh, that chain reaction. It's, it's so fun putting the spaces <laughs> together that encourage that. You know, mm. it's like knowing exactly how these guys work. It's kind of like the Doom. The do maps you get to know the the uh, characteristics of all the monsters mm. inside and out 
And so everything, you're, every wall you're putting up, every sector you're putting in, you know, okay, this is going to benefit Ooh, this monster. This monster can hide behind um, you and pop out in this way. And exactly, that, yeah. That's a good point, actually, because I hadn't really thought, like, designing specific sections, like, obviously, you've got your, your kind of linear, your pathway through and your, your broad objectives, okay, put the safe rooms here, and we're going to go have this kind of environment. This is going to be a, a city, sec- you know, high-walled city section, so some alleyways where things can jump out. But it sounds like you, you guys actually thought... This specific spot would be great for a charger. Let's put a. Oh, absolutely! This spot yep. would be great for a spitter, um, and yep. I think that's I mean, a big part of why it's so fun. Like it, it feel they feel like yep. directed encounters, but, but they're not. And it wasn't terribly difficult to do that to, to say, for example, to adapt a map that was being designed earlier in the process before the charger came online. For example, mm. um, there was I think there was a bus station map. Um, that didn't really accommodate the, the new creatures too well. So we just thought, you know what, let's just throw up some um, nine-foot fences all around the place mm-hmm. and then create this sort of corral that the players have to go through. Oh, okay, now we can start adding... I think I know the yeah. map you're talking about. You've got to uh, yeah, like, do a zigzag through it. Exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so we added stuff like that. It was pretty simple to add to existing geometry just mm-hmm. to play to the strengths of those new characters. Um, because you know, like when you're in a corralled section and you can't, climb the fences but all the zombies can yes you really have to see the zombies who are coming mm. kind of off to the left and then you maybe you take your eye off the right hand side of the screen and that's where the charging can come in yeah because also um, that, that section like you've got the sections of chain link where you can see the zombies but then there's hoarded sections where you can't. some of them yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i don't know exactly the part you mean <laughs> and then i think there's almost like a guaranteed tank in that section as well um, it certainly feels like it because so they've Probably, often got a, yeah. a tank charge. I think you're right. Well. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so you got the horde, you have got the, the normal specials, and then you got the tank as well, adding a, a, an extra level of uh, a fuckery to it. Yeah, um, well, yeah. bringing bringing up a lot of fun, fun memories from that project. That was probably the most fun that I've had in a uh, uh, a multiplayer mm. project. Oh, as it's, well. a, it's it's very fun to play. And, you know, real testament that it's you know what ten years, twelve. It's been a while. What is it really? 2009? Left 2 is 10 years old? I yeah, probably. So. I think so. Um, Two, uh, 2012, yeah, maybe. Maybe? Um, something like that. Anyway. I, don't like to think, I don't like to think of 10 <laughs> years going by in any way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're getting old. Um, yeah. No, it's incredible how well it stood up, um, and particularly when you've got some, you know, some uh, kind of uh, attempts at clones and, and other games doing a similar concept, and just I don't think anyone's hit the same you know, level as, as Left 4 Dead did. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of a lot of people put a lot of passion and energy into that project. Um, yeah, we're all really, really excited to do that. It was it was funny that the uh, the Left 4 Dead one team was quite uh, modest in size compared to you know some of the other Left uh, Valve teams. Um, but when we decided to do Left 4 Dead two, it was like oh, so many people wanted to work on this project. I think the total credits list is like a hundred or something. It's a big team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the credit the Valve credits always include every single Valve employee, whether they oh, okay. work on the game or not. Uh, whether we even work on games at all, we have some of the Steam, <laughs> Steam teams and support teams. They all get they all get credited that's too. That, that, that's, um, I'd say uh, I've, I've seen some ridiculous hot takes about whether or not yeah you know, things like QA teams are actually part of the dead teams. Like yes, they are. <laughs> Absolutely, important. yeah. Um, I imagine with Left for Dead's you know, more so than <laughs> um, you know, things that are single player focused, there would have been a lot of iterative testing. Um, <laughs> that's what made the project so yeah. fun. Yeah, it's like this is. This it was is, every day. It was every day we play tested, and it was, uh, you know that's the easiest way to make your day turn from eight hours to like eleven. Nice. Um, yeah, you just want to stay there and keep playing. Well, it's so, so addictive. Like um, uh, a friend, yeah. 
We love the ding, you know, when you get the damage ding as the uh, as <laughs> right. it's like a, it's like awesome Pavlovian, feedback, right? Pavlovian yeah. saliva response, like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. Seeing this, yeah, seeing the the damage points tick up and up and up. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. It's funny how like just those little touches just make you like I'm just going to play a bit more. Because um, yeah, like you you'll jump in and all of a sudden six hours will have gone past. Um, fantastic. Uh, well, nostalgic for those times. <laughs> um. You mentioned that actually no no because uh, um, we have to do I think we do do have to touch back into Half Life uh, because you made Ravenholm. Uh, I worked on it. Yeah, well, at least you were part of the team. And um, yes. and I, I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of Half Life. Ravenholm is different though. That is that is it, it stands out in that. Oh, cool. You know. Um, game and Half-Life 2 they're not they're not awful but it's, they're definitely not up there the, you know the gameplay style is generally not my thing I like that fast zoom <laughs> gameplay um but Ravenholm has a different feel and it leans into horror it's it, the, the slower play style fits the kind of encounters that are designed in there you don't have any weapons or many you've just got your gravity gun and whatever sharp objects you can pick up and then all these various head <laughs> yeah. crab designs like they the one that throws them at you the creepy motherfucker um uh, the poison zombie yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah um we we was where did that come from? Like it was, it feels like out of left field that experience uh, compared to the Ravenholm. Um, so that that was that had been built before I joined the project. I was working on uh, Team Fortress Two, which mm. is called Brother in Arms back then um, when Half Life Two started. Uh, when I joined, there was already the basic geometry for Ravenholm, but it wasn't really decided where in the, the game it was going mm. to fit. And as soon as we started playing around with a gravity gun, we realized. Where is we, we asked ourselves, where is a good part of the game to introduce the gravity gun? And we thought, ah, oh, you know, Ravenholm is this place where it's sort of small, creepy, and dark, and maybe this can be a place full of physics objects you pick up and mm. throw at things. Um, and so we just sort of we put it there as the uh, intro to the physics gun and just a lot of uh, physics um, features that we had in the, mm. in, in the game. Um, and I think just the fact that it was it started out sort of dark and creepy automatically meant okay, so we should try try to introduce some new zombie styles and here new headcrab styles and just really sell this as a creepy place because mm-hmm. it's pretty small, you know. You're kind of winding your way around uh, pretty yeah, claustrophobic the spaces. Place and, huge, but yeah, <clears> you creep around in it very slowly. <laughs> yeah, but the, the great thing is we were we were basically given this um, gift of. This is supposed to be a spooky, creepy, haunted place with this uh, mad guy, uh, Grigori, who's mm, kind of Grigori he's driven himself awesome. crazy because he's <laughs> all of his congregation has turned into zombies. <laughs> and he's kind of fond of these zombies who are still walking the streets. So, uh, yeah, it was it was super easy to play into that type of uh, that kind of design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a, totally my wheelhouse, too, because I loved I love creating atmosphere and, um, you know, just sort of a, a lot of. Um, Tension and what really, like it's a totally different game when you take take all of the weapons away and the, and the player is you know they use weapons as a kind of like um, a safety guard and when you take those away it's kind of it really gives you this sort of unnerving feeling of what am I going to do when a zombie's coming at me so we start doing things um, like you always have a, a, a circular saw blade in your gravity gun just in case <laughs> right. and then you'll you'll accidentally yeah. fire it off and like shit no I don't have anything and then a then a head crab comes and says like, oh, I don't have any weapons. Um, yeah, that was, that was a really fun fun part of the game to build. Oh, it's, sure. a, it's definitely my favorite part of the, of, um, of Half Life Two because I'm a I'm a I'm a bit of a I, I do like my horror action you know Doom Three uh, I was a big fan of that and um, uh, Fear is my favorite all time yeah. game. Nice. Um, 
fair as, as a masterpiece in my eyes. And yeah, we we invented uh, two, I think, two different types of zombie and two different types of head crab just for uh, Ravenholm. Mm. There was the fast the fast zombie, which you first Ooh, see running up the uh, drain pipes, yeah. and then they break through the uh, skylights to come in. That was yes. the intro to the fast zombies. I remember. Now those are uh, and and then, great great moments of reveal for those new new elements for sure yeah i mean you just when you get given a design for a creature it's just like just throw out all the stops and build exactly the crazy silly thing that you would expect and want to, mm. do, to bring this creature in like throw the rule book out and yeah. see like what 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 is the uh what is the most impactful way to intro this new mechanic and we did that with the fast zombie coming through uh skylights into a locked room basically it's like how do i get away from this guy <laughs> you gotta pay and attention the, to this <laughs> <laughs> the poison zombie he's the guy who throws one off his back i mean we intro we intro him when you're sort of above the street level like 30 feet up on a really narrow plank and it's like ah oh, there's no way you can go so of course you mm. have to introduce somebody who's going to do that to you somebody with some range um, um range yeah. <laughs> you think you're safe uh, and i think <laughs> and you don't expect it, right? You see this no. guy lumbering down in the it's ground. He's like, and all of a sudden, well, there's this fast-moving thing flying at your face. <laughs> yeah. like, ah, get it off, get it off. <laughs> yeah, but I've got uh, real, so, so much fun. Yeah, you know, real striking memories of the, you know, talking about the the fast ones running up the the drain pipes and stuff, and then you see right. them skipping along the rooftops, you know, silhouetted against yes. the sky. It's just, it's almost yeah, like the a moon, movie direction. The moon behind them. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun putting those together. Like as soon as you get given a creature like the fast zombie, it's like, okay, well, how can we really? get this guy with most most impact like don't pull any punches basically and because you've taken all the weapons away from the player just adds that much more gravitas to the you know the first time I actually fight yeah them. it's like how do i do this i don't i can't just yeah. blast them away with uh, my shotgun or the uh or you know something an automatic weapon would be quite useful against these fast enemies i don't have one <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you feel vulnerable you know you feel like they are a true threat and how are you going to deal with it rather oh. than you know rip out your, the same gun that you always use for every other solution mm. and it's it's you know it's a great ex, you know exercise and example of how you know a lot of people i'll meet people that say you know detail isn't part of gameplay you know you should focus on gameplay but those details a graphic do, detail you mean no it's like detailing like the finer details in your visual presentation, not not like graphical fidelity, but like things mm. like lighting and um, oh, texturing right. yes, and you know, you know little 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 you know, broken window here, that kind of the kind of you know the minuscule stuff that you look, the kind of I guess well that creates course. atmosphere, right? I mean, exactly. it's, it's it, it hits your brain, it gets you gets you in a specific mood, I think. And when you play you, differently, you... Um, you know, in Ravenholm, if that was all bright and, and evenly <laughs> textured. You'd, you'd, you'd feel a lot more comfortable and you'd play better. Like you, you'd, you'd take your right. time to aim and you'd, you wouldn't panic as much, but because there's dark corners, and even if it doesn't mm -hmm. get to the point where you can't see, it still makes you kind of lean in a bit and squint at the screen. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you've got to avoid that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think Ravenholm's a really good case study in, in how the environment affects the way the player plays um, the game. Yeah, very very fun to work on that one, and uh, very proud to uh, you know get it to, to, to the state that it was. I had uh, there was a team of uh, four of us working in a tiny little sweaty room um, <laughs> for a lot lot of months um, to to kind of pull that together. Mm, um, no, the, the effort definitely shows because it was a real like um you know talking about the gravity gun. Yeah, that was a that was a an, a pretty iconic moment in in gaming generally. The you know, coupled with the physics engine that Half Life Two incorporated, um, and you know when this gravity gun came out, I, I remember just the, the world got set on fire by it. Everyone couldn't stop raving about how cool this thing was. Um, I'm nice. guess when did they get introduced? 
uh, into the design process? Like, did it have a, obviously you said it, you know, Ravenholm became the, the showcase map, but was it a concept that was early in development for Half-Life 2? We're going to have this gravity gun, therefore we'll build things around it, or was it a bit later? Uh, no, I think the gravity gun came along a little later. It was, uh, we had a, we had an E3 demo that showed the, the very early gravity gun, which had uh, more functionality, I think, than we shipped with. Like you could pick things up and then sort of bring them close to you and further away and stuff. Right. <clears throat> um, and that has to have been at least a couple of years down the road. Right. Um, as far as bit when the level designers were given the tool to actually use in the game. Um, so it definitely wasn't from the, from the start. Mm-hmm. It probably tracks because it, it does, like, you'd say, you know, you reduce the functionality of it. And that, that's, you do want things like that to be quite intuitive to use, like, pick up, throw. Like, it just became. Exactly, yeah. Know, it yeah. makes it easy and fun to use, and you're not trying to, you know, micro manipulate your actions too much. Yeah, yeah, and you don't you like if you if you want somebody to use this tool in the heat of battle or when they're in duress or whatever, you don't want them to be thinking out oh, what key was I supposed to press? And exactly. like, yeah, it should just be very intuitive, like mm. you say. Um, and it, it was kept very simple for that reason. It's basically two buttons. Yeah, uh, one to pick up and one to throw. Um, that's so, a yeah. so that's a good transition, I think, into um, a game that not so much a shooter, but um, uh, another one that really did, you know stamp itself on the map um, in a big way, and that's Portal, because uh, you, you worked on that, didn't you? Uh, the, the sequel I did, yes, Portal yeah, 2. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, I, like Portal, Portal was a crazy, crazy concept. Like, the first one almost felt like a, almost, almost like a proof of concept. It's pretty short. Um, it's, it's a little vignette, um, but it, it kind of took the world by storm. Um, what was it like making, you know, kind of making more, like, directed puzzles rather than, you know? Um, so the, the original portal, the Nabacula drop project was from a group of students at, uh, DigiPen, I think. Right. Um, and they joined valve and then we turned it, we kind of polished it into a, a self-contained game with a beginning, middle and end. Um, it was an awesome, awesome idea. I mean, those, that's just like so gold cool. dust having an idea like that, which oh. is so simple, but it's so, uh, Elegant. effective and yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so you can do so much with it. Well, it's like I can way make, more than you would think. I can make a door. That's it. That's that's the premise. You know? <laughs> and the, the the opportunities for that mechanic are just endless. It's amazing. Like the the more we played with it in Portal Two, the more we realized like we still haven't really scratched the surface here. So, um, it was it was really really fun to work with that uh, mechanic. Um, and it's it's a really challenging thing because when when you go from designing multiplayer spaces that uh, you know use a director as the gameplay driver mm. or you have a moment-to-moment scripted uh, half-life like thing where it's all about guns and suddenly this is a puzzle game mm. and you know this is the simplest mechanic you can imagine you walk in one place and you drop out of the other yeah. how do you make complicated puzzles out of that how do you make interesting puzzles like how do you progress the game how does the player stay engaged you know mm. after four or five hours of using this really simple mechanic because you can't just uh, so those were all the challenges you know if it was just a puzzle room puzzle room puzzle room yeah it's still been, been fun but one of the things i loved about particularly the first one was how you broke the fourth wall um right like, you, you know start off in this the aperture testing labs and then you get like you get behind the scenes so that's, that's exactly yeah, breaking, you, yeah. Wall, breaking breaking that other wall um it's like breaking out of prison yeah, yeah it's great and i <laughs> love that twist and then it kind of like the plot takes a bit of a darker turn and I actually thought like the the plot of Portal was surprisingly engaging, um, for what you said, you know, for what you say as a you know, as you said, a pretty simple concept. And I think it, like that was quite key to, um, you know, making it that felt more like an organic, you know, like you say, a prison breakout rather than here is here is a very 
clean room with the clean puzzle. So now you're crawling around pipes and trying to escape things. And, uh-huh. um, I thought that was a great touch. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I love the, uh, the the work that was done on that original Portal game. I was, it was just super impressive, and the way they wrapped they ra- the way they wrapped that simple set of puzzles with a really intriguing storyline and like setting and stuff. Yeah. Um, awesome writing on them uh, both as well. Um, there was, we had the same challenge with Portal Two, which is like, you know, how do you take this and turn it into a Twelve-hour mm. experience, you know? and not make it feel so, like just the same thing again. You know, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I think um, um, Eddie so. and Co-op was a great, a great touch. Um, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that came online really late. Uh, same as uh, with Left 4 Dead Two. Um, oh, sorry, Left 4 Dead One. Um, the versus mode came on pretty late. It's funny um, how those sometimes it's those late decisions. Yeah, you know, it's like ah, oh, <laughs> they pay to, off sometimes. You know, <laughs> uh, put a lot of pressure on us to. Sh- just do it, just do it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's always, like, quite a stressful time. Um, but I've, I've heard a lot of examples of that kind of thing, um, uh, you know, paying dividends. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, adding a death match into Classic Doom or, um, you know, uh, adding... That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we should throw a few death matches together. It's hard to believe that that was an afterthought in Doom. Because like, when I talked to him, I asked him what was the best decision you made regarding Doom. He's like, Multiplayer, like adding a deathmatch, is like just yeah. answered instantly. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the replayability is just times a thousand. Huge, um, yeah. and you know, at that time, it was you know the tech was just just there. You know, in terms of being able to connect to people to make it, you know, even if it was just computers in a room, to, to just accessible enough um, for it to yeah. really take off. Um, but you made a good point, like with um, with regards to you know your, your time at, at Valve, um, which is a very long career now. You've gone through like some a lot of different FPS styles. You know, you got the you know the, the AI directed, you know, kind of chaotic, organic, left for dead design, very scripted in Half Life, um, and um, but you, you know you've worked on some deathmatch stuff as well with um, with TF2, haven't you? Um, let's say let's see. Most of the deathmatch work I did was on Half Life for TF2. Um, yeah, I did build. Um, I think the first map I made for TF2 was Gold Rush. Mm. Uh, which is a payload map, um, and then I worked on a couple more payload maps, um, and I tried a couple of different uh, gameplay styles, and then ultimately um, the man versus machine co-op um, mode. Oh, is that, uh, that's, so that the, was, that's the horde mode, isn't it? Like attacking. Yeah, when you robots? fight against robots. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I, I never um, played T, uh, TF2 that much. I never played the classic uh, Half-Life mod. You played TFC? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I love TFC. I made a fun. ton of maps for that. Oh, Dust Bowl oh, was my absolute favorite. Awesome. Yeah, TFC. No, uh, that was I've that was endless peak, hours on that. You know, peak land party type. <laughs> you know, when you go to a go to a fucking establishment and all night. You know, before the internet was you know. Oh my god! Stuff, so be, I playing. loved TFC. Oh, it was awesome. And it, 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 grenade it was, spam is like <laughs> the the worst mechanic in the world, but the most fun mechanic in the world. <laughs> I just remember it's the rocket lord like you know being able to pull the homing rockets around. Um, yeah, that's just, that's oh, just I miss TFC. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. Funny. Sometimes we, you know, we we evolve games to be more sophisticated and you know more complicated and ever higher fidelity. And then yeah, it's not always. It's sometimes you lose the simplicity. I think that's I think mm. that's what TF, TFC had some really great, mad, zany, humorous, high speed fun about it. 
yeah, um, that I really miss. And you know, coming back to Doom, I get that same kind of sense where I'm really exactly glad. The same thing. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that this style of game has preserved and evolved and has been carried forward by so many talented people over the years. I think it's just, I think it's just such a such a great idea. Good testament to the game design mm, for sure. Because um, yeah, with Doom, even with these wild new you know uh, boundary pushing maps, the con- the base concept is still very much the same. So you're, you're, you're a dude who's killing demons uh-huh. quickly. <laughs> um, I know. And it, it's, it is timeless. Um, and even, um, you know, I play a fair amount of uh, Classic Doom Deathmatch. Um, and it's the only it's the only game I, I like playing Deathmatch in. Um, what did you say? What, what Doom? Cla- just Classic Doom Deathmatch. Um, you know, again, with, with um, you know, better design levels and more expansive and a few weapon mods. How many players? Uh, we peak at about 22 in <laughs> a deathmatch map. That's wow. very chaotic. And using all of the classic uh, weapons then, right? Sometimes. Uh, normal, there's a couple of good mods um, uh, that we use. Uh, uh, one is just like a, um, just tweaks the weapons a bit, um, brings, balances their power levels mm-hmm. um, and adds in a couple of extra ones. But the yeah, game chain gun probably. Yeah, chain gun's got a bit of a buff. <laughs> a single barrel shotgun um, uh, is a little bit better and you're know, limiting BFG shots and that, which is you know, a, a nice way to balance it out. Um, but there's a, a really ridiculous weapons mod that we, we like using uh, that actually won an award last year. Um, and uh, we were testing that for about six months. And it was, it was just so much fun. You just jump in. It's chaotic. Shoot your friends. Yell at them in VC. Uh, I don't think it gets much better than Sounds that. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sounds like uh, I used to go to a lot of uh, LAN parties uh, to test my um, Milos and my Doom, Doom Deathmatch maps <laughs> in the day. But it was only ever four players. Yes, yeah, classic. classic four way, four. Yeah, way back. Um, I think but, it's only four, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. But four. it didn't matter because the maps were small and, you know, everyone's respawning instantly, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you die, you're back in straight away. None of us waiting for respawn times and, um, yeah, obviously things like Counter-Strike have been very popular, but um, uh, for me, it's like I've only got, normally only got a couple uh, of hours to... to, to That's why I love TFC. Yes. No respawn times. Yes, exactly. I never liked respawn times. Back into the fray. No, I never, I never, I never, it's like, I'm just waiting to... <laughs> right. I just flip to a, a Chrome browser and start reading the news. Oh, am I back in that? Okay, I'm back in. Let's go. Yeah, the uh, the respawn timer on the uh, is it an infected and versus as uh, just at my upper limit. It's like, okay, fifteen seconds. That you know, I, I I had trouble with that too, and then I realized you can't it, have them respawn it, 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 <laughs> it has to be. The, I mean, the game design really, really yep. needed that. Yeah, um, just constant specials. You'd absolutely annihilate the uh, the survivors. So I'll let that one slide. I'll let that one slide. Yeah, <laughs> it does work pretty well. Yeah, no, it does, and it, it, it is it is the right length. To, you know, in all seriousness, it's it's long enough to let you know if the survivors kill all the specials in a, in a quick like a cool we can we've got twenty seconds essentially to, to regather, recuperate, and get get it exactly. Working. Yeah, um, and but also lets you as the you know the infected to kind of plan where you might um, set up next. And, right. And, and, yeah. You know, it, 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 it does work. It does work well. But yeah, it's like I want to get it back into the fray. It also, <laughs> it, like it, it really adds to the tension because you realize you only have a finite number of attempts at this. Like mm. you probably have three life cycles in there, or three attempts at like really good ambushes, solid ambushes. So yeah. you, you you kind oh, of oh the amount uh, of times I'm like it's like okay cool I'm going to spawn as a charge I'm like sprint trying to sprint as the ghost to get into a good spot so I can hit that <laughs> yeah. good line like go 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 go. Like that kind of tension. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, you're making me miss uh, playing this game. I definitely played it for so many years. Yeah, that was. Anyway, the nostalgia, the nostalgia <laughs> is strong <laughs> for sure. Um, I think a question that uh, a lot of people are thinking about um, is: Are you actually going to get back into doom mapping? 
Oh, yeah. I keep thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i not sure. I don't know. It's I kind a- of um, – I, I got uh, pretty busy over the last – well, I, I started picking Doom up again, I think it was a few months ago or something, and then I got pretty busy with the Steam Deck launch because uh, I worked on the demo for that. Um, yes. And uh, now I think I'm going to jump back into another project of Valve. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I, I look at that and I think about the amount of time I know I would get sucked into a time sink. building Doom <laughs> yeah. because I don't, I don't want to – I'd want to do it well. I want to do it right, and I want to do it big, you know, Um to just just to make me feel good about doing it, um, and I, I know what kind of a time sink that is. Mm, for sure. Um, so I probably I, I, I need a gap between projects or something. Otherwise, I can, I know exactly what my time would be. You know, it'd be full time making games at Valve, and then full time doing uh, Doom maps afterwards, and then there'd be no like real life. That would be it. Yeah. <laughs> in between uh, and you know, I'm not exactly that young these days, so I feel like um, there mm. are a lot of things um, that. I would like to spend my time doing. Well, I'm at least. Um, so yeah. Every time I'm playing a Doom map, I'm thinking about building one. Let's just like, put it that way. It's tempting. <laughs> Get the cogs. Yeah. Going. So, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I will do something with it. Uh, it's just a matter of when. Well, Ramirez making Sigil 2. You should go offer to make a, make a guess map. Is he doing it for Doom 2? He is doing it for time? Doom 2. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize I that at the time. I was wondering why he did it for Doom 1. Yeah, I think um, I get the impression he always planned to do you know, Sigil 1 and Sigil 2, Doom 1 and Doom 2. Okay. Because um, he's, he's, he was muttering about doing a, the same thing for Quake 1 as well, which I think would be quite cool. Um, Quake 1. Yeah. A, a Ramiro yeah. Quake, Quake episode. Um, but he's, he's, he's currently working on Sigil 2, and everyone's very excited for that, obviously. Um, cool. Because Sigil, yeah. Sigil 1 was, was good fun. Um, nice seeing him get back into... Uh, I should talk to him about how he's uh, working on his work-life balance, or Doom-life balance, I guess I should call it. I kind of get See the impression how, how he's, he's just doing, doing a lot of do like he's just having he's living living the dream to be honest. Um, he's not uh, is is he he's not out of company at the moment. Is he? Oh no, is he's, he's still at, he's still at Romero Games, and um, I know you know that obviously does okay. keep him pretty busy, but he's he's got enough time to or a good enough balance um, to. Um, you know, he finds the time. Yeah, <laughs> he makes he's, the time. I think he's he's earned it for sure. Because um, yeah. I know because I know his um, his wife does a lot of a lot of the you know. His, Pretty much his partner at the um, at the studio as well, and she was very heavily involved in Empire of Sin. Uh, that was her baby. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to. Uh, yeah, I have to think about it a lot more. <laughs> well, I think, I've been thinking about it a ton. I be, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's like once you once you because that's that's essentially what happened to me. You know, four four years ago. So, because I'm a, a big fan of uh, ARPG games, you know, like the classic Diablo clones and all that kind of stuff. And um, I kind of left that was in that wilderness for about seven or eight years, and I started, um, you know, watching some YouTube videos, you know, much like yourself was making of uh, of um, you know speed running and UV max runs of, of some of these newer Doom maps. Like, oh shit, there's still like there's still a Doom community, and then mm-hmm. um, Twitch actually was the one of the big reasons that that kind of dragged me into the community. It's like you start interacting with people, and you know, there's a good small but very very good kind of Twitch community around Doom. It's like people are still making. Maybe I should. Maybe I should dust off some of my old maps that I never finished and kind of went ahead and look at them and was like, hmm. So you have you published some Doom maps then? I have, yeah. So my I, um, I think my first solo release was 2018. Um, okay. So I've kind of I've dabbled in it for yeah probably close to two decades at this point, but um, never got to the point where I actually uh, released anything. But um, I've got a few maps out there. 
Uh, congrats. How, how was that? How was it uh, like sharing your stuff with the world and like, it, hearing people's feedback and stuff? It's pretty, it's pretty nerve wracking, particularly the first one. Um, and, and, you know, being learning how to like respond to feedback and it's like, why do you love my stuff? <laughs> yeah. Without um, taking offense. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, by and large, the Doom community is uh, you know, very, you know, a very positive place for, for a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I think you could, you know, it, it's, it went pretty well. I think you could say, cause I've got a couple of CAC awards under the belt now. Um, nice hey good job yeah so which That's is awesome. that must feel good yeah no it was quite uh, you know you don't do it for you know that you, you don't use that as your primary motivator but it is nice to get that kind of tick you know like, oh, maybe i do know what i'm doing and you know, it's encouraging i mean it keeps you keeps you motivated to continue for sure exactly and it, you know it, i'd be lying if i didn't say that was a big part of why you know i'm trying to make this transition into game development um and you know idea that the dream job for me now would be your job you know professional level designer um, um, you know, going forward. So, well, it's, it looks like you're doing the right thing to uh, head in that direction. Yeah, no, it's it's the right it's the right time for it. I think with all this, the kind of like ease of creation with regarding you know whether it's a GC Doom based game or Unity or Unreal, the tools have mm-hmm. never been easy to get into. They don't cost you anything apart from time, uh, and you can just you know fuck around and find out, as they say. Um, it's a, it's a great time to be a uh, to to be someone who's interested in that step. Um, yeah, a lot of cool communities. <laughs> um, very good. Well, I think it might be time for some audience questions. Um, um, yeah, it's an impressive career that you've uh, managed to, um, you know, get under the, uh, behind you there, Darren. And, you know, you said before we uh, went live that you've been with Valve for over two decades now, and it's a real testament to how fun that job's yeah. been. Yeah, 25, 26. Yeah, a great company to work for. Um, it's not always the case. So, um, yeah. No, I, I, it's incredibly lucky. I, I can't even believe it myself that <laughs> I came to this this thing in 1996 and it's still going and it's just such a successful place and it's full of so many talented people. It's just, mm. yeah, I guess sometimes you just get lucky in life. Um, I definitely did that. I managed to not just be passionate about making games, but find the place that was perfect for that. Mm. Um, 100%. Yeah. Valve is a very special place, that's for sure. Oh, it's really good to hear because you like you don't often you know quite often you hear the the, the kind of horror stories from some of the AAA studios, uh, particularly in the age of Twitter. But it's, so it's really really good to hear that there is you know there are some big companies out there that that are well run and considerate and and, and good to work for. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've I've read a lot of the stories in the press, and I'm just eternally grateful that I'm surrounded by truly professional, um, like world class, really really nice people. Mm. It's yeah, it's never something that I would take for granted. And I, um, you know, the fact that I've made so many great friends from this company, you know, yeah. um, no, I feel like family. And, you know, you can see it in the body of work as well. No, not just yourself, but Val as a whole. Like, I think, you know, companies that are run well like that, it is reflected in, in their products. Like, they, they take they take care of their employees and they take care of what they make. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, we, we definitely have the, uh, the, the sense of um, autonomy where we're not really beholden to third parties mm. you know, with, with directives that come down and say, you have to do this by this date or, you know, yeah, exactly. you're no longer working yeah. on this because of these reasons that have nothing to do with you. Mm. Um, so we do feel a sense of ownership over the content. And I think that sense of ownership really reflects in people's 100%. willingness to go the extra mile um, to make the project as good as you could possibly do. Mm. So you, do you, you feel that sense of pride over it when, the, when you feel ownership, I think. Yeah, 100%. And um, like, it, it is impressive that a, a company like Valve hasn't been you know, snaffled up in some sort of, you know, merger. You see Microsoft and ZeniMax, you know, go around buying companies left, right and center. And 
Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rare for a company to be this uh, to be private for this long. I think mm-hmm. I'm like, not sure how many others there are really. <laughs> exactly, I think uh, you know, um, I think a bit of that comes down to Gabe. Gavin's a pretty quirky person, <laughs> um, and I, I can't see him. I, I I can't really see him. Not that I know him at all. But it feels like a well, lot he was of down in your country for he, quite a while. Has he escaped yet? He got trapped down here with the lockdowns, and I think it was like. Oh, uh, I've seen him in Bellevue recently, <laughs> so he has he escaped from New Zealand. <laughs> that was quite a yeah. funny, a funny side story. <laughs> it's like, oh, I mean, what around. an adventure to talk about! I mean, he didn't he didn't know that COVID was coming. He no. just, he was just happened to be in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, I guess I'm staying here for a while. Like, you know, we all now. thought it was going to be a couple of months. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good place to ride out the uh, ride out the plague. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys have had. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's been an interesting couple of years for all of us. Yep, yep. No, it's been uh, been a time. Use the word interesting. There are lots of other words for it too. Well, it's more. It's interesting <laughs> in the in the same way that you know the Chinese curse. I think it is. May you live in interesting times. Like, hmm. Can I go back to, I, go back to I would take ordinary times. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to go back to ordinary. Yeah, so like can I stop listen can I stop living in unprecedented time times, please? I want to be yeah. unprecedented. Nice, steady, normal. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe just around the corner, who knows? Fingers crossed um, that it'll be what it'll be. And um uh, fortunately, uh you know, as long as you've got a got a computer in front of you, you can dive into some content. You can escape. You can. Yeah. Make your do maps and, and uh chat to people and you know um it's, it has been quite a um a bastion of sanity i guess over the last couple of years it's been really fun to interact with the community again and kind of chat to people about things and kind of hear stories and mm. play content it's you like there's just there's so much going on yeah, out there a lot, to, just, a lot uh, to catch up on <laughs> in the doom yeah. community at least um, yeah i will say um like uh um you're watching your 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 um, particularly your Sunlust video this morning, I was like, "That's good content. You're, you're, you're very listenable." And I like the, uh, I like how you <laughs> swear you. a lot, but then you you bleep it out with what can only be described as Adam West era Batman sound effects. <laughs> I couldn't believe when I first played back the uh, the, the Punish Two video because I don't notice when I'm swearing that much, but I couldn't believe when I played it back. I couldn't believe how much I'm swearing. <laughs> I don't really swear in real life much. <laughs> yes. It's just Doom. <laughs> That's very strange. That's great. Uh, so I, I had to, I had to censor it out with silly sound effects. Uh, it works well. It works well, particularly on things like yeah. Sunlast, where you're just getting slapped around left, right, and center. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> just... yeah. You were talking about level eighteen earlier, and yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's fun. I, um, what happens when I pick up this plasma rifle? Revenants. Fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, who would do something like that? Certainly not me. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You've got <laughs> no, never. No leg to stand on in that regard. I think um, that's. Yeah, pretty common uh, reaction from people playing uh, playing Blutonia for the first time. Uh, yeah, I have heard so many comments to that effect of like, "Oh, it's really, uh, it's nice uh, to see you struggling through um, some of these Doom maps Vengeance. when basically yeah. that's what you did to me like 15 years ago, whenever it was." Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm glad that people enjoy that. No, it's it's, it's a great watch. Um, um, very very enjoyable. Actually, I was quite impressed with because um, you know Sunlust is not easy. And um, you know, while no. things like Valiant have got some teeth, like Sunlust is next level. Um, and um, like your playstyle was pretty patient. Like it's you know kind of considering weighing up your options, you know, kind of tactical decisions and all that. And um, yeah, and then ten times or attempt, ten attempts into it, and then my patience runs out. Yeah. And, then, and then you go into the <laughs> that's story. when I speed it. That's when I speed the video up so you can't hear the uh, the really <laughs> colorful stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just cut that section out. Um, uh, no, but I, I realize, you know, I've I've seen 
players go through these, so I know they're doable. And so I just look at myself and I say, what am I doing wrong? Um, you know, <laughs> well, keep um, trying. Especially if you get into things like, you know, bigger things like Sunder, where the fights are very much like you, you, you're throwing yourself at them and you've got a strat and you're thinking, you keep dying and like, am I just playing bad or is this the wrong yeah. idea? And like being able, having to go through that kind of decision tree um, as a as a real as a skill in in, in of itself um, with a lot of yeah players. being self aware yeah I mean it's really it's really easy to get into a pattern when you're playing a map and you're just like I'm just going to try this way again yeah. and again and again if you do a little better each time you think that's the way and if I've like the number of times I've seen playtesters come in for the games I've been working on they do the same things mm. where you know they get locked into turning left every time here and really it's a right turn they go to or yes. I can't believe that I'm still subject to that same psychological disorder. Yeah, you know? I should be better. But when I play, when I watch the playthrough, I say, what, "What the hell are you doing? You know, go the other way or do this thing." Obviously, <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you're caught up in the moment, uh, it's not that obvious. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and like, it's like you, you, particularly when you do, you, you you do a fight and you kind of like get you know half or two thirds of the way through. It's like I should be able to beat this. I should be able to beat this. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you just re- like back up and reconsider, it's, it's probably an easier way to do it. Mm. Um, particularly a map like that which is very open you know sandboxy kind of style it's like where else yeah I love it oh it's a great love it fantastic awesome really good Um, there's a particular map in Sunlust that I think the world is waiting for and that's the God Machine um, uh, yeah, I heard about it. something about a uh, archviolet room or something. It's 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 a masterpiece. It, it's got that's you know it's it's you're talking about that kind of vertical scale uh, you know impressive mm. architecture. It's got it's that in spades. It is one of the best best doom maps ever made in my mind. Um, wow! And, and which map is that? It's map twenty thirty. Oh, okay. So the basically the last map in Sunder. Uh, so I'm sure it's Sunless. Sorry, yeah. so I'm sure it's easy then. <laughs> it's actually not the hardest map, and you did twenty five, which is not an easy map. Um, uh, I'd say it's easier. There's the map before it uh, is called "Go Fuck Yourself." Um, <laughs> quite appropriate. Why map. would somebody call the map like? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, seriously. I think it's, it's probably an ode that's to Plutonia. <laughs> there's definitely some uh, author anger going on yeah, there. That one, that one is spicy. <laughs> that one's spicy. But uh, God Machine is it's one of those maps where it because of the oppressive feel, it probably it feels a bit scary than it is, and I, I love those kind of. Uh, cool. Well, I'm excited to yeah. try it. It's, uh, highly recommended. It, it, it's a long one. It's probably, I think, it's about 1,600 enemies. Um, it's one Jeez. of those. It's, it's true. It's got some true slaughter fights, but um, uh, it's it's worth the battle. Um, and um, you know, it, no, it isn't check quite. It out. It's not quite. It isn't as hard as some of the other Sunless maps, I think. Um, and uh, the, the, the yeah, I won't spoil it. It's, it's an experience, and I, I, I recommend um, cool. getting into that one for sure. Yeah. I'll get the uh, comedy censorship sounds ready. <laughs> You'll need a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might need to expand the uh, the sound repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very good. All right. Um, I think we've got a little bit more time. You're saying that you had to bounce off. Uh, yeah, about uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. Yep. So let's, uh, I think we'll, we'll try and plow through some of the uh, audience questions. We might not be able to get to all of them. Um, so... Uh, question from Al Tazamuth. Um, what are your what's your, what's your favourite map that you've made for Doom, and your favourite one that your brothers made? Who uh, my brothers? Um, oh no, I need to go. You know, I need to go and raid the uh, the list. Yeah, you know, my favorite. I, I keep going back to Genesis, and I don't know why. Mm. My favorite one, 
I think it was because I finally thought that I had built a map that was as elegant as Milo's. Yes, because I, I was very proud of that. And, but I can't remember. At this stage, it's not that fun to play or anything, but mm. I think it's just sort of neat and elegant. Because you made that comment uh, uh, in the, I think it was the Ghostwood video, that you know you were driven by by Milo's work to, to improve your yes. own. And that, that you know, having that team energy to almost competitive nature between the two of you, you know, inspired you to make... make you Absolutely, know, yeah. So I think I think it's speed. I think. Uh, let's see. I'm going to just make sure. Uh, speed. I think. Yes, that's the one. Nice. Um, for the record, mine is definitely go to it. My favorite. Go to it. Well, that's really fun to play for sure. It's- I thought speed was an awesome design, awesome visual design, and awesome monster placement. Mm. Um, I was really, really impressed with that. That was one of those maps where I just thought, "Crap! I really have to." Um, Elevate my game to keep up with him. Um, um, go to it's awesome. I yeah, mean, it's, it's it's just it's, it's one of those iconic, like, right? It's like, yeah, it's 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 the only one that I would play over and over and over and still enjoy. The only um, Doom Two map that I've or Doom map that I've done a deliberate UV Max run, you know, Saveless Pistol Start. Um, that's the only one that I've. I've so what done. is what is Max? What is UV Max? Uh, killing all monsters and getting all secrets. Um, ah okay. Yeah. So the I maybe there was some yeah. different uh, difficulty level or something, but no, it's uh, just one hundred percent everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. And there, it's one. Of, it's a speed running category, and there's a there's a whole bunch of them. And I'm I'm, I'm definitely not a speed runner. Um, but you could go to it. I was a little bit drunk one night. I was like, yeah, yeah, we can play, we can play go to it and see if we can see if we can do it seamless. And Why not? Yeah, exactly. Took me a few goes, but it was like because it, it, it it's a pretty easy map to to memorize the specific key kind of points um, mm-hmm. and uh, you have plenty of power-ups in there too oh, heaps of heaps of cells heaps of megaspheres so you can be really aggressive um it's a great it's a really fun map to to, to push through fast um lots of fun um question here from jack uh what is the most important thing you've learned uh, which is relevant to kind of level design broadly across you know everything you've worked on on most things uh listen to your playtesters by far the best um, because they're the ones who represent the people who you're building this for. Unless you, unless you don't release the game to anybody except for yourself, <laughs> you're building it for other people and you want other people to enjoy it and consume it. And, you know, um, so they're the, you have to listen to playtesters no, and can't take that. some, take some bitter pills because sometimes it's really hard to hear. Like you pull your passion and your energy into something and somebody says, Hey, I just don't get it. This is, this is not fun. Um, like, oh, mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean that it's hard to hear that, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to sort of pick yourself up and say, you know, there's only one reason for me re- re- uh, releasing this game, and it's because other people are going to play it. Mm-hmm. And if that person represents the other people, then you have to listen to them. For sure, for sure. Um, I swear, I, I, yeah, 100% agree. Like they're very much unsung heroes, uh, playtesters. Uh, like you know, especially the but first- Valve, they're like they're gods, right? They walk into our office. <laughs> it's like playtesters sitting here. Absolutely. I mean, in every way you can imagine, we all defer to the playtester um, uh, feedback. I think that that is a big part of why the games are so good when they're released. Always, yeah. always. I mean, we fear the playtester. He comes in, and you've got this design that you've been working tirelessly on. You're so proud of it, and then. Somebody just doesn't get it, right? They come in and they just back their head against the wall or something, around you, and you're just sitting there with your head in your hands, going, "Oh my god, I have to rethink this." Um, but you always, always defer to the playtester. 
For, uh, for sure. And like, because, you know, the, your, like you say, your instinctive reaction is like, oh, you're just an idiot. I'm, I'm, dismiss. I'm, yeah, dismiss. I'm the mapping god. I made this He's thing. He's stupid, right? He, he doesn't get this. Um, uh, let, let's just sell this to intelligent people. But, you know, it doesn't <laughs> work that way. Yeah, just, <laughs> just get good script. Um, no, actually, one of the podcasts that I did last year uh, with some some doomers was the, the art of giving and receiving feedback because it is, mm. it, it, you know, so there are some people who are just like, ah, oh, you're, you're shit. And that's, you know, you ignore those people. Uh, but, you know, yeah. when someone does come up and says, like, I don't, I did not enjoy this, and they can explain why, or this part, I didn't, or you watch them play and they can't figure it out, I was like, I'm going to have to probably do something here. Um, and it's very important. Well, there is, there's also an art to uh, interrogating a playtester mm. because they sometimes won't be able to verbalize what they're going through. You have to be very careful about not leading the playtester mm. in, into telling you the things that you want them to say. Uh, so that's part of it. It's like, oh, if know. you can. That's Spot a problem, I mean. trying to figure out what they're thinking uh, is is major, major part of it. If you can get the opportunity, this is for people making games and people making Doom mods and what, like, if you can watch someone and you just sit there quietly, you don't say much, you just watch <laughs> their playthrough, you learn so yeah. much, like, just watching them and run around. And like, like, it's excruciating. Just go over the switch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to sit there silently, just, like, fight a pen or something. So, you, uh, like, yeah, you're kind of, like, like, timidly, are you all right there? Are you lost? <laughs> you basically have to say, look, uh, without any prompting, just, hey, so what are you thinking at the moment? Yeah. Like, yeah. tell us what's yeah. going yeah. through your mind. And then completely unprompted in, in any way, they should give you an unbiased... Um, I mean, they'll be embarrassed. Like, if they've been going left every time and they should be going, they'll be, they'll be embarrassed. But if you tell them, you know, what's going through your mind, they'll tell you exactly what they're yes. thinking. Why, why are you making um, these decisions? And, yeah. The yeah. worst thing you can say is, why do you keep turning left here? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait. And then then you right. make them feel like a total idiot. Yeah. And then <laughs> they'll just turn right and it's like, it doesn't give you uh, the. They'll, they'll get nervous and the entire playtest will be screwed. Mm -mm. No, it's a very yeah. critical, very critical process. <laughs> I'm, I'm just struck by memory of my, my latest, the last uh, release, um, which was ooh, two years ago now almost. Um, actually, no, released something uh, last week. Um, but there's a particular fight I, I like making very spicy. Um, quite Sunder-esque <laughs> kind of maps um, but there's this particular fight and I, I was like I'm going to be a real dick here and it's like this this dais that you teleport onto you fight a few archers and it descends into a pit of blood and there's these raised walls and there's just this horde of revenants and there's Helmites popping nice. up it's, just, it's, it's, it's a fight and I remember the, that first testing wave and the guy who made Sunder was one of my testers and he said people are going to hate you <laughs> for this fight All right. it's like hmm how much are they going to hate me Sunder level or worse? He was like, worse. <laughs> I was like, okay, I might okay. need to. But I loved the fight, <laughs> so I didn't want to like do a wholesale change. But it was a case of like, okay, we'll just move one teleport spot out of there in front of that switch. Yeah. It might scatter a little bit more health around and you know, just take a few numbers out here. And, but yeah, it was very much a moment where I was like, I don't want to change things. Yeah, um, and the, you know, sometimes that's good. You know, sticking to your design, uh, you adapt it, but you don't have to change it. Mm. Um, and you definitely would try to get another player through like a few players through to get a kind of a mix of opinions yeah, um, and there were the, the feedback was consistent <clears throat> for that original iteration i was like okay, i do need to do something but yeah i was just like i want to i want to stick with this original premise um but it was, it was it was it was the perfect feedback and um i had a point where yeah you can't like if you if you deconstruct the fight you can get get through it very consistently and uh, um to the point where some people have done some some uv max demos of it and i was like cool i'm you know that that was a real key moment for me i think in real like processing feedback and and respecting um you know these these opinions from people who are definitely better doom players than me <laughs> right <laughs> yeah really those are good opinions to have to begin with Very much sure. so. Um, so shout out to my testing team because i do put them through quite a bit <laughs> um, doo -doo 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 -doo. 
Uh, I think this is a good one. Um, so, what's um, what's been the reaction for you, like realizing that there's still people playing, you know, your maps from from twenty plus years ago, particularly Plutonia? Um, you know, oh, that's been very interesting. Um, uh, when I first started, you know, hearing that it was it had some kind of an influence on the Dim community, I just felt really proud of the work that we had done. Um, it was it's very. Uh, it's hard to describe when you, because thinking back to the work that we had done such a long time ago, um, it was such a different time. The Doom community was in a very different place. Um, and it was, there was a lot of very established conventions mm. that Milo and I were fighting against, or not fighting against, but designing against. Um, and we copped quite a bit of flack for it at the time. Right. Um, especially from the Doom editing mailing lists that a lot of the authors of Pluto, uh, Evolution came from. Right. Because we were basically excluded, or some of the maps that we made were excluded from there because they said, hey, you know, this stuff is too too big or too difficult, and, you know, it's not along the lines of the standard Doom conventions. Mm. Um, so I knew that we felt we felt that our work was, was different, mm. um, but we, we kind of had this idea of, I think you were saying something earlier, like, if, if we can build it for ourselves and we're passionate about it and we enjoy it, we just have to make it accessible for other people to find that experience. Mm. Um, and it's really nice and sort of uh, vindicating in a way, later, like 20 plus years later, that it found its sort of foothold, you know, it became influential in its own way. It's um, it kind of validates that that, that uh, you know, I'd that say convention out, outside of the, the original you know, Doom 1 and you know, Doom 2, the, the, the base. I'd say Plutonians had more impact on on well certainly the kind of level designers that I the, the maps that I like to play I think you could trace it all back to Plutonia that you know like wow. let's be let's be kind of mean to people and and that like oh this is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna fuck up the play let's yeah. do this you know um, but you guys struck that balance really well between being nasty but providing a way through you know you're gonna die <laughs> there's gonna be that chain gunner that appears behind yeah. Um, it's 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 humbling. I have to say it's humbling because I think I, I look back at some of the little uh, descriptions that I wrote back then, and I think uh, I in particular was extremely cocky. Um, <laughs> and, and the, the way I would describe this thing is like, oh yeah, you know, go play uh, Evolution first, and when you're ready for a challenge, come and play Plutonia yeah, and stuff like that. Remote, yeah. So <laughs> I have to disavow uh, you know the cockiness nowadays and just replace that with humility and just realizing that. The work that we did went on to, you know, um, serve as a base or an inspiration for for other work. It's just it's extremely um, hum, hum, uh, what's the word humbling. Humbling, yeah, not humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> not humiliating. No, humiliating is me trying to play through Sunlust. Yep. <laughs> the revenge. We talked um, about it before. The revenge of the community. <laughs> yeah, but it, it feels really good. I have to say, to answer the question, it feels really, really good. Um, and every time I hear somebody say that, you know, the, the Plutona influence X, Y, Z, I just feel close to the community. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I'm part of it. I feel like um, I have a connection with uh, all of these, these people who are doing this work um, yeah. because we have this common belief, right? We have this common interest, um, and it's really great to feel that connection. Mm, oh, fantastic. Um, I've got one from Jimmy. Um, so that last question was from Majestic Khalid. Uh, this one's from Jimmy, who is a, a very uh, well-known person in the community. Uh, you would have heard some of his midis in Plutonia 2. Um, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, I played Plutonia 2 without the music on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jimmy. 
<laughs> okay, that's I've got a lot of shit for that. Um, so he's got so where did the new textures and assets for Plutonia come from, and how like how were they made? Because there's one of the things that makes Plutonia stand out is its textures here. It's got those those brown bricks and uh, it, yes, it, we made all of those with ray traced uh, with three D Studio, I think. Um, so they were all ray traced textures. Right. Um, was that... None of them were authored in just like paint or anything. They were, they were all 3D ray traced. Right, right, right. Because were they, was it more you guys decided that you wanted to create these kind of rocky jungle themes and you needed new textures or did you make the new textures and go, what can we make with these? We had been building so many Doom maps over so many months before we started Plutonia that we just like, I'm just, we want to put some expression here. We've got to put something new. Yep. Um, and we did have some ideas of the environments we wanted to create, so uh, we kind of pushed them in those directions. Um, and also, I'm an awful artist. Like, I can't paint <laughs> anything or draw anything. So ray tracing is uh, the way for me. So I would go out and I would capture materials and textures, uh, just photograph them, and then um, put them into 3D Studio. Is, that, is that photo, photogrammetry? Is that the term? <clears throat> um, let's see. I don't think it's that. No, basically, I, <clears throat> I took a photograph with film. You remember film? Uh, <laughs> I do. I am I'd, old enough for that. Yep. <laughs> I'd print out the photograph and I'd put it on a flatbed scanner. I'd oh, scan right. it into, I think, oldest photo styler because before Photoshop. Mm. Um, and then I would use those as, I would plug those into 3D studios and do a 3D render of the bricks and stuff. Um, and then I'd output them into the Doom palette, I think. Mm. Nice. No, they're, they're iconic textures. Like, I love the. Uh, the plutonia bricks and the, those big nice stories. cool oh, they're, they're, yeah always, well always. they're taken from uh, random palaces and castles uh in the southwest england countryside oh, nice. that's really cool yeah awesome um from capelli um was it hard going from dooms you know kind of you know not quite 3d uh well certainly not a 3d render i can't we can't handle room over room so flat layout two and a half d yeah i don't like that term <laughs> um uh, we won't get into that, that discussion because that'll be another two D plus. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so going from that kind of you know very much a, a, a flat layout uh, certainly from in terms of what you're building to full three D you know quake um, maps and then into half life um, was it quite? Well, did you have to kind of like rewire your brain a bit, or was it just a case of like mm, just kind of fuck around and see what we? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That was a rewire for sure. I mean, first quake maps were pretty flat. Mm. until I realized, oh, you know, you can actually expand this on the Z-axis now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it did take a while. But you know what? Um, yeah, after a few maps, I think uh, you get the hang of it. Um, mm. But it took it takes a while. I mean, the great thing about uh, Doom and 2D is it's just you can just get map designs out really quickly oh, you, can, you don't have to think about that third axis. Smash out layouts. And you're just like, cool, um, I'll build some rooms, and I'll like lift this up and lower that down and build some stairs. Yeah, you know. Uh, I love it. Um, it's it's. Yeah, I love that part of it. Mm. The 3D just creates a lot of extra time. It does. It does. And I am because um, I, I go for the hardware renderer, GCDM style stuff. I, I you can build 3D spaces <clears throat> through a variety of hacks and and engine manipulation, but um, you can build full you know Quake style uh, 3D mm. constructs. It just it does take time. It just takes so much longer. <laughs> yeah, and you know there are 3D engines out there, so why not keep doing 2D? You know. I don't know because you can because I can yeah it's like because I can yeah. pretty pretty much and I know Doom uh -huh. so um, I will I yeah. will branch out into a, probably Unity next I think um, but uh, for the time being um, I enjoy breaking Doom as much as possible <laughs> I know the feeling yeah exactly exactly pushing <clears throat> pushing the boundaries of those accepted uh, conventions um, is uh, a lot of fun yep and 
Uh, I've got a question here from Caleb. I quite like this one. Um, is there anything you would have done differently um, uh, or possibly told your past self if you had known things would turn out this way? Um, you know, looking back at what you were doing then. You mean uh, Valve 25 years later or Plutonia 28 oh, years later? Oh, I guess later? either. Yeah. Um, you know, um, anything you'd, I mean, from what it sounds like, you're pretty happy with it, where you've ended up. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Know, I'm, I'm, you know? <laughs> I'm very happy with yeah, I've, I've been really, really lucky to, you know, where I landed at Valve and uh, mm. 25 years later. Um, I'd probably tell myself to not worry. Mm. <laughs> like, just relax a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, when, you know it's, is, it's nice to have hindsight. Oh, <laughs> it's 100%. Nice to have hindsight. But that is a good point, I think, because particularly for when you're just, when you're quite, quite just, you know, making Doom maps and you're doing it for fun, there is a lot of stress. Um, uh, and yeah. People get very anxious about it and theoretically this is a hobby that we do for fun <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you're not having fun well maybe you should go find a different hobby like you don't not everyone and there's some people feel like the, the need right. to map and that kind of stuff and i think it, it is important to to relax and just enjoy the process as much as possible and of course there's going to be the stress of releases and you know getting that feedback and like you say going through play testing and getting people say no i don't like this but the real work yeah, yeah the real work and that, that is the one of the less <laughs> fun parts <laughs> fixing your bugs um but, you know, if you're not enjoying the actual process of building these things, then, um, you know, kind of... I think that would come across in the game design if you're not really enjoying it. Um, I think that the, the, like the game design reflects the passion and the enjoyment that's put into it. Exactly. Really. Um, and, you know, um, you, like you said, you know, you, you make things that are fun for you to play. You know, prim- you make it primarily for yourself first. Um, yeah. Because that, that's, that's, that's going to be fun. Um, uh, yeah. or, or, you make it, or you make it to bully your brother. <laughs> that's probably even better yeah I, I, as someone who has three brothers i agree wow four guys that's insane <laughs> i'm the oldest therefore i get i get all the good stuff uh, for my sister you gotta watch out for she's scary um growing up four <laughs> brothers made her tough <laughs> oh, yeah, i can imagine wow um <clears throat> i think i think we've covered this one this one from lady miss dragons what exactly brought you back to doom after 25 years and you said it was Finding out that there wasn't really any play video, playthrough videos of Plutonia Two. It was uh, no, it was um, I, I. It was like a Google search or something where um, somebody had discovered the, these maps that I remember putting on a CD-ROM back in the nineties, and I thought, oh my goodness, I remember these. I have to see these again. Um, and then I downloaded it, and I was off. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, as is often the case. It's a, it's a, a something very serendipitous. Some random. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, just a random google search a lot of examples like that like you talk to someone or you you, you, you get involved in, in some real kind of like isolated pocket and it leads into you know this big wide world and has so many things in life start that way that's, uh, yeah i think it's i think it's a great thing about life is you know these this kind of minor well seemingly minor decisions can lead you to some some pretty cool places um i think i've got Ah, yeah, here we are. I think it's because you've got a. I think you've got a bounce soon. Um, so we'll make this yeah, a few last, the last question. Um, this is from uh, Simple Tony. Um, what do you think it is about? What? No, what do you think? Okay, what do you think it is about Doom itself that makes it quite a good gateway into game development? Uh, or, or do you think? Or do you think it is good? 
Um, and mm. uh, are there any other engines that you or uh, that you might recommend as a someone who's trying to make that that first step into uh, into that world? Um, I think the D- Doom has a positive, which is it's fairly easy for a single person to bring together some elements to create an experience that other people can consume, and then they can say, "Hey, this is actually a pretty good base for a portfolio." Um, I think that's that's great. I think the downside to Doom and the plus the upside to some of the more modern engines is that the more modern engines are being used to create games nowadays. And um, a game studio is going to look at, you know, somebody's use of those engines and say, oh, this is directly applicable yes. to what we're doing. But it also means that you're probably going to have to be part of a little team mm. in order to ship something because it's so much more complicated and so much more uh, content to create, which is a good thing because then you're showing that you can work with other people mm. and you can collaborate and come together as a group, uh, which is pretty much the game development environment these days. Yeah, so you just um, work in a team. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of value in doing something uh, in, in Doom because you can pull it together pretty quick and you can show that you have design um, ideas that work. Um, and I think that there is a lot of merit to using some of the, the, the newer engines to become part of a collaboration, I think. Because yeah. those, you know, you'll always be fighting against, if you're trying to illustrate, hey, I, I did this great thing in Doom, illustrate that it's sort of up to date. You didn't make it. 15 years ago or whatever, you know, this is something that this is more um, recent. Um, and yeah. uh, yeah. it's probably uh, kind of, I, cause I, 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 I definitely agree. Like doom, doom is a I could, you know, low barrier to entry for getting into make stuff. You, you just get doom is very, very cheap. The editors are free. You don't need to get any more assets. And if you do, there's a fucking library of, of <laughs> yeah, just right. more than you could ever use in a, in a lifetime of, of stuff you can throw into it, but you don't have to, you don't have to, do anything to get started whereas if you're working in like a unity or an unreal i mean sure you can go to the marketplace but you have to like you kind of have to create the assets from the ground up and you can do no texture blockouts and that kind of stuff but creating a playable space monsters weapons, yeah you'd have to mod a game that exists yeah i mean otherwise you're just creating environments a few more steps to it so i do like doom as a as a way to see if you like this um and yeah for um, sure yeah you know to, to dabble and you know there are paths now where you can if you like that specifically, you can make you can make a standalone game that's very Doom like uh, with the GC Doom engine. Um, so there's a the the path is a bit longer now in terms of actually getting to a finished product, developing mm. a team, getting your coder and your art creators and and all those kinds yep. of people around you. So you can you can do that, get into the team development side of things. But you're right, that specificity of engine. You know when you want to go work for that studio and they're like, what's your Unreal Four experience? Like I don't have any. Go <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing just how uh, applicable the old formula from the '90s still works now. Which is find a game you you're passionate about and you enjoy playing yourself. Mm. Find some people who share that passion wherever they are. You know, it can be on the internet wherever, um, and then create something together yep. that just demonstrates everybody's passion and everybody's um, talents. You know. Uh, because this, it's not going to feel like a job if you enjoy this game. 100%. Uh, whatever the game is, you know, it's going to feel like this is a an awesome, fun, uh, rewarding hobby yeah. um, for everyone involved. Yeah, so yeah. Be, that was Doom in 1994, uh, and now it would be, you know, whatever game you're interested in, really. Mm. Like, you know, your, your example of Left 4 Dead, just how much fun that was to develop, <clears> you know. It's like oh, yeah. if you're having that much fun, you don't want to you, you stop working, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like work, that's yeah, for sure. No. Yeah. Very good. 
Um, well, I think we'd better let you go. Um, you're a busy man. Um, uh, thank you so much, uh, Darius. It's an absolute pleasure. Really, really pleasurable talking to you. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you again for uh, your videos on uh, Doom Editing. Um, um, this is awesome. After hearing um, that you, you've actually been using it, I was like, I better make some more. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're really great videos. So um, Thank you. No, no, thank you for having me on. And uh, um, I recommend people go check out Dario's latest video on YouTube. Dario Casalia's is a YouTube account playing through sunlust map 18 it was an absolute riot i very enjoy, very much enjoyed it <laughs> well, thank you I hope, I hope it's entertaining to somebody uh, definitely um no, no they've been great to watch uh, for sure um yeah thank you very much and uh you'll we'll, uh, we'll catch you around cool take care talk to you soon peace bye Yo, it's your friendly neighborhood producer, Ty Brandon. And I'm here to tell you, if you head over to hellforgestudios.com, you can find all sorts of ways to be supportive of wonderful things like this podcast. You can uh, check out all of the Hellforge games that are currently in development. We got Darkadia, Exocide, Sansaya, The Age of Hell, and Relentless Frontier much more you can also consider subscribing to the age of hell patreon i believe the demo is now available to folks who subscribe or whatever but anyway yeah you can get your hands on it there and if you enjoy what you're hearing right now or you like that website you just saw head on over to inthekeep.com and we've got a bunch of podcasts ourselves, and also our boy nabe designed the hellforge studios website so if you're interested in that sort of services, uh, we we got a list of all the services that we provide there. Till next time, enjoy this wonderful music. This is from the Age of Hell soundtrack by the one and only Prime Evil. So uh, that's why it slams so good. But uh, yeah, I don't have a tagline for this show. I guess I should get one. But uh, peace out. Goodbye. <laughs>